That music means your next hour is going to be about connection. Welcome to This Show Is All About You, a show dedicated to discussing and experiencing the things we all have in common. When you and me become we and explore what it means for all of us. Here's your host, historian, writer, social commentator, and a whole lot of other things, JDK Winnekin. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of This Show is All About You. Really happy to have you with me for the next hour as we dive into topics that uh, maybe we discuss on a regular basis, but maybe don't stop and really take a good look at in the midst of our busy lives uh, within an uncertain world more often than not. So uh, thank you for joining me. Really appreciate it. Uh, If you're listening live to this, welcome. Uh, Thanks for taking part of your afternoon. If you're listening as a podcast, also thank you. And thank you for subscribing. Thank you for leaving me a review. I really appreciate that. And while you're at it, please visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com, or check me out on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look up my last name, W-Y-N-E-K-E-N, and you'll find me rather easily. Would love to chat with you. Special thanks from the outset, as always, to this show's generous sponsor, Airway Science for Kids which is a nonprofit based down in the Portland, Oregon area that provides life and career pathway opportunities to underserved youth through the exploration of the wonders of aerospace. And you can check out the magnificent work they do uh, at airside.org, and you will hear more about them during the show breaks coming up a little bit later. So thank you to them. And uh, it, is, uh, it is a holiday today. In fact, it's uh, multiple uh, days of recognition, actually. Uh, It is uh, Indigenous Peoples Day and Columbus Day, which is going to be the root of our discussion today, but not the sole topic. It is also uh, Thanksgiving in Canada. Our neighbors to the north are celebrating uh, their Thanksgiving today. So uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. It is also World Mental Health Day. Uh, It's really interesting. So there's a lot going on today. We are going to talk about that today. But before we get to that, as always, let's go back over the significant moments in the past week's news in the segment that I call What in the World is Going On? We have no doubts that this is a terrorist attack aimed at the destruction of the critical infrastructure of the Russian Federation. And authors, executors, and masterminds are the Secret Service of Ukraine. Now, Ukrainian officials have not claimed responsibility. Meanwhile, there is growing concern that Russia is gearing up to use tactical nuclear weapons. However, the Kremlin says that it is completely incorrect, in their words, to suggest that Moscow would use nuclear weapons. That, of course, a translation of a speech that uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin gave uh, earlier today, uh, talking about the airstrikes that uh, Russian forces launched against major cities in Ukraine just within the last 24 hours, including the capital, Kiev, but also Western cities like Lvov and others. Uh, looks like around 84 cruise missiles were fired by the Russians at targets within Ukraine, as well as about 24 different types of unmanned drones, many of them shot down by uh, anti-aircraft forces in Ukraine. But certainly they've caused damage in cities that have not seen bombardment and direct attack by Russia uh, in quite some time. Putin blamed uh, the Ukrainians for this, as he tends to do. He tends to blame them for every uh, 
act that he tends to take in regards to this war that he started. But the uh, the real catalyst of the event in the short term was the explosion on a bridge that uh, Putin had overseen the construction for and put his own kind of stamp of approval on between the occupied area of, of Crimea that Russia had se- seized illegally in 2014 and the Russian mainland. And so the attack, which uh, has all the hallmarks of either a direct Ukrainian attack or attacks by uh, Ukrainian partisans, really does threaten the literal lifeline between Crimea and the Russian mainland, which means food, weapons, personnel, everything uh, will find it all the more difficult to get in and out of Crimea. And so this was his response. Uh, it certainly is uh, it's seemingly a bit over the top unless we take a look at why this is so important symbolically for Putin. The idea that Crimea is part of Russia is one of the things that galvanized him to launch these attacks on Ukraine going back to 2014. The fact that he oversaw this bridge, his construction, put his name on it, talked about it being one of the great accomplishments that not even the czars had been able to do in previous history. It's a direct attack on his own legitimacy in his own mind. And the symbolic power of that being attacked, uh, he obviously is worried about how that's going to land among Russian hardliners and among the Russian people. Hence, lob a bunch of missiles at Ukraine. Significantly, he didn't use aircraft. Why? Because their planes keep getting shot down. And when people ask me, do you think he'll start doing this over and over again? He only has so many missiles to play with and so many drones. He's launching them in combat and a number of them are being destroyed by Ukrainian forces in storage and elsewhere in attacks. Those are being destroyed a lot quicker than Russian uh, manufacturing can replace them. So it's hard to see if this is going to keep going this way. But I have everything, every reason to believe this had a lot more to do with placating hardliners around Putin than it really did about the bridge. All right, let's take a look at the second big event going on that continues to gather momentum. They are calling these demonstrations the beginning of a revolution. Acts of defiance, infiltrating the airwaves, hackers targeting an Iranian state TV newscast, a mask appearing on screen followed by a picture of the supreme leader, the Ayatollah, surrounded by flames, with pictures of four young women allegedly killed by police. The protest starting four weeks ago with the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini for allegedly wearing her hijab improperly, now a fight for regime change, fearlessly putting their lives on the line. The uh, revolution in really is a revolution, seemingly, uh, but what the Iranians are calling illegal protests uh, pushed forward by Israel and the United States continues really unabated into its fourth week, led by young Iranian women uh, throughout the country. Again, uh, these uh, protests, widespread protests are taking place in all 34 regions in Iran, all of the major cities and in all the major universities, many of which remain open which on one hand you would think that a regime three weeks, four weeks in would want to shut down universities as a place for people to gather. The fact that they haven't or it's been half-hearted at best or when they have been closed that's been ignored by people is significant. Uh, the, ver- the fact that this group of protesters are continuing to get better organized the more time goes by to the point that they're hacking into national television news is quite the series of statements um, and and really indicates the potential power of this whole protest movement to really fundamentally change that country. Now, certainly there is a long way to go, most likely in that this is a regime that knows how to keep itself in power, that knows how to crack down on dissidents. Uh, it just 
hasn't taken steps yet, and maybe it hasn't. Time will see. Maybe it, maybe it can't. But it has not yet taken every step that it might to put these things down. And that's a very, very scary idea when you consider what it might take uh, to really make this happen. And the regime is in some ways stuck. To push things forward with any more force means more and more young women will die, which means more and more young women will become more famous in Iran and around the world. And symbolic of this larger movement, international pressure will mount, internal pressure will mount on the Ayatollahs and those around them. So it just goes to show that in history, uh, dictators still, in the end, when push comes to shove, dictators and these types of strongmen regimes still have to pay attention to public opinion at some point. So it'll be very interesting to see how this goes. But the level of support that these women are now garnering around the world is is really accelerating. Uh, prominent female politicians in Europe and elsewhere are cutting their hair in solidarity in the middle of diplomatic meetings uh, to show their support. A number of uh, famous media types throughout the world are showing their support in similar ways. And it is something that is starting to turn into something more galvanizing for women in general, not just in Iran. It is one of the more remarkable events uh, to happen in quite some time, not just in that country and in that region, but really anywhere in certainly since the end of the Cold War. So very interesting there. Okay. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about history today. I had a number of requests come in over the last week or so asking me if I would dedicate a show to talking about uh, this day of commemoration that we have today, Indigenous Peoples Day. And of course, it's also Columbus Day. Indigenous Peoples Day is relatively new in the sense of newer than this notion of Columbus Day. But it is a major source of friction, seemingly, every year between those who want to continue to honor Christopher Columbus and uh, the importance of what he did back in 1492 uh, with, so I guess, quote-unquote, discovering the New World, uh, and the effects that his discovery, both at his own hand directly and by those who followed him, had on indigenous peoples uh, throughout the so-called New World, not just in the Caribbean, where Columbus originally landed, but in the Americas in general, South, Central, North, and uh, Mexico, certainly all together. And so that debate every single year seems, uh, seems to flare up around this as to, as to what is the right day, what is, you know, should we commemorate this, should we commemorate that? And uh, it's always something that is interesting to me. Now, a year ago, when I did this show back in its old format, I spent a little bit of time talking about Canadian Thanksgiving uh, inst- instead of uh, Columbus Day. But there were some themes in that episode that I thought were worth uh, coming back to. Uh, for today's show. And so let's talk a little bit about this. Holidays uh, tend to be these things that we invest a lot of energy, a lot of identity, and a lot of importance in. Now, I'm not here to question the wisdom of that or the necessity of that or what that means sociologically or psychologically or anything like that. Uh, But it is something that from the very beginning, what I will say is holidays are what we make them. They're as important as we deem them to be. And that's okay. That is not a a slam on those who want to commemorate uh, certain holidays. However, a holiday that is for the larger public, that we want to have it be commemorated, we want it to be remembered, we want it to be honored perhaps with a banking holiday or a day off or a three-day weekend or 
some sort of series of traditional celebrations like we have at Thanksgiving or at the uh, or at the, the Christmas and, and Hanukkah, the holidays at the end of the year. All of those taken together, we tend to invest them to infuse them with levels of importance. So let's talk a little bit about why I think that's something worth examining right? without necessarily putting too much judgment on it. That said, let's talk, let's start a little bit first with the Columbus Day versus Indigenous Peoples Day, which, you know, I understand where it comes from, that they are, they are directly connected. Now, if you read, and I don't recommend you do this very often because it just, it can shatter your hope in humanity. If you read the comment sections of articles or videos on YouTube or anywhere else, they talk about either Columbus Day or Indigenous Peoples Day, but particularly ones that talk about Indigenous Peoples Day. If you read the comments by, by viewers or readers, they tend to get really ugly really fast. And uh, those who uh, want to celebrate Columbus Day and knock down Indigenous Peoples Day tend to outnumber those the other direction, at least just in the boards that I look at. And I spent a lot of time in the last few days taking a look at those. And it just, it just gets ugly. And then, of course, everybody starts throwing around the history of something as to why their position is correct and why somebody else's isn't. And certainly history matters here. But obviously, people are championing one element of it or over the other. And so I got thinking about this, and it reminded me of an episode of The Sopranos, right? that famous television show that wrapped up a handful of years ago. And there's an episode where uh, in a Tony Soprano, right, the, the, head of the, the head of the family uh, and the head of this crime syndicate, he's at home and his son comes home from school, and they've been learning about Columbus Day. But Tony does not like what his son has been learning about Columbus Day, because effectively his son's learning in school about what happened to indigenous populations in the New World after Columbus's arrival and what Columbus was about. And Tony, to put it mildly, loses it when he hears his son recount this. And he says, hey, I'm paraphrasing, Columbus is a hero in this house. That's it. Right? Great Italian, great man. Without him, none of the things that are around us would exist. We wouldn't have all the things that we have. Therefore, he is a hero. That's all there is to be said about it. Now, it's, it's over the top, certainly, as that show certainly was. However, it is the attitude a number of people have right, about this idea of Columbus Day. And, uh, you know, and, and I've, what I've read a lot lately is what's well, always been Columbus Day. Well, what does that mean? It hasn't always been Columbus Day. Uh, here's a little bit of factual information about this. Columbus Day did not become a federal holiday in this country until 1971. I'm just going to let you take a minute and breathe that in. 1971. It certainly was commemorated by a number of groups, particularly Italian Americans long before that. To go back a bit, uh, a little bit more, back in, uh, let's jump all the way back to this. In 1792, in New York City, uh, the Tammany Hall bosses, who effectively ran the city, of a number of them Italian, celebrated Columbus's, the 300th anniversary of Columbus's arrival in the New World. That's one of the first commemorations that we know of, of that event. And that was, those were just simply civic events uh, run by the Tammany Hall bosses. Fast forward a little bit, uh, some of the first larger commemorations of this were in 1862, right in the middle of the U.S. Civil War, in which a number of Italian Americans were participating particularly on the side of the Union. And so the idea was these need to be Americans celebrated for 
in this case fighting for the side of unity and or slavery, depending on how they identified individually. And so you had commemorations then in the middle of a massive uh, era of turmoil in the country. And then move forward a little bit further. 1892, the 400th anniversary, there were a series of race riots in New Orleans in which 11 Italian-Americans were killed. And there was an uproar among Italian-Americans all over the country because they were targeted for this, saying, we have been contributing to American society for a very long time. In fact, if it wasn't for Italians like Columbus, this country wouldn't even be here. And so then then President Benjamin Harrison recognized a one-off day this day, October 12th, or a couple of days from now, as a one-off day to honor Columbus, which was really to honor the contributions of Italian Americans. Now, between then and 1942, 50 years, Italian Americans celebrated Columbus Day as in large, large part as a Ital- celebration of Italianism, of being Italian. And that, of course, spread as Italian populations spread throughout the country, but particularly in eastern cities. And so it became a very recognized cultural festival. Some states started to enact it as a recognized holiday on a state level. And then in 1942, in the middle of World War II, right at the outset, not only had Japanese, Ameri- uh, Japanese Americans been interred by FDR uh, as a war measure, but at first, German and Italian Americans, uh, many were as well. When Italy changed sides in, in 1943 in that war, most uh, Italians who were in detention still and that had been going down throughout uh, the, the previous year were all finally released. But in 1942, recognizing that there were a, a, a pretty big voting constituency block and war support block among Italian-Americans, uh, FDR also openly recognized Columbus Day as, uh, as an, a day of celebration, although it was not made a federal holiday. But he put his stamp on it, and it was part of the larger war effort and to keep support going for the war. It's not until Lyndon Johnson in the 1960s that the effort to turn this into a federal holiday really picked up steam in the midst of the Vietnam War and finally became one in 1971. Right? So it hasn't always been Columbus Day. In fact, it hasn't been Columbus Day for very long, for about 50 years. Okay? So... That's a starting point for us. So when we come back uh, on This Show is All About You, we'll dig a little bit more into what I'm getting at here, talk more about Indigenous Peoples Day and some of the larger challenges that come up and how we decide, quote-unquote, to remember things. And make no mistake, we decide how we want to remember things. Come on back. Kids never have trouble dreaming about their future. The challenge is providing them the resources and opportunities to reach them. This is especially true from historically underserved communities. Fortunately, there's an organization that can help those dreams become reality. Airway Science for Kids helps underserved youth develop life and career pathways through exploration of aviation and aerospace. Using in-person and virtual programs, along with partnerships with companies, educational institutions, community health providers, and other resources, Airway Science for Kids helps students not only find their dream careers, but also learn how to better advocate for themselves and connect more effectively with their families, peers, and communities. To find out more, visit airsci.org. That's A-I-R-S-C-I dot or email info at airsci.org. 
Airway Science for Kids, providing aerospace for all. Welcome back to this show is all about you. We are talking about the Columbus Day versus Indigenous Peoples Day uh, debate that is, of course, uh, in the news right now because it is that day, at least on the day of this recording. And before the break, I talked about the roots of uh, Columbus Day as a federal holiday, a recognized national holiday in this country. And it's more recent than people tend to think. Uh, Of course, that's because we're focusing on what happened back in 1492, over 500 years ago. But nevertheless, how it's been practiced and understood as a holiday is much more recent than that in this country, which underscores my point at the front end of the show here, that holidays are exactly what we make them to be. They do not exist independently of us. They do not have a level of importance or significance beyond what we as individuals and then we as groups of people decide to give them, which means we should be able to openly discuss them, take a good look at them and ask ourselves questions about them, particularly when we're talking about something that can be as divisive between people as uh, these two holidays uh, often are. And all you have to do is take a look around on on the Internet and social media to see what we're talking about. So getting back to Tony Soprano's uh, outburst at his son about what he thought was learning about Christopher Columbus. Uh, this notion of greatness, I think, is really the, the starting point. We tend to have holidays and holidays around individuals always are perhaps problematic in this sense because they are meant to elevate. They are meant to commemorate. Uh, they are meant to highlight the positives of a given person or the contributions of a given person. And yet that person is a person, which means they are not going to be all things to all people. And they certainly are not going to be perfect human beings in either their behavior, their attitudes, their actions, anything like that. And so while that is true, that can suddenly get very, very slippery and malleable when we're talking about whether we should commemorate somebody or not. And in the case of Christopher Columbus, it's particularly sharp. There's certainly no doubt that the significance of what Columbus did, even though he discovered the Americas by accident, it's very hard to understate how important it was, that development, not only in Europe, but obviously in the New World, and then eventually globally. It was the beginning of the process in which all all the continents of the world became discovered, shaded in, The sense of what was in the known world grew exponentially in the 500 years after Columbus, and it changed the fabric of the entire world. It changed the demographics of the entire world. It changed how everyone in the world understood themselves. It began the process of taking all these different groups of people separated by what were once unpassable oceans and connecting them together in this larger sense of we're all here. And all the debates about to what degree were these people human or those people human, that, of course, ran very, very strongly through a lot of the political and social demographic developments after Columbus. So is it fair to say that Columbus accomplished something great? If we're talking about great in the sense of really important, significant, then yes. If we're talking about great as in fantastic, Awesome? I'm not so sure. (laughs) I guess what I'm wondering, though, is why is this such a challenge for some people to be able to say, 
the accomplishments were very significant. And right next to this, the ramifications, the effects on certain people were devastating. The effects on Europeans were profound. The so-called Columbian Exchange, as historians have come to call it, altered the landscapes, demographically in particular, in the New World and in the so-called Old World. Life expectancy in Europe increased quickly after Columbus because all the new foods and everything brought into Europe by what was discovered in the New World. And the list of what was discovered, food-wise, foodstuffs-wise, in the New World and brought over to Europe, uh, it's a list that I can't even go down because I'd, I'd run out of time. But things like beans, <laughs> potatoes, right? Potatoes were discovered in Peru and brought to Europe. Uh, tomatoes themselves, uh, beans, which were called uh, poor man's meat, many people, increased the life expectancy among poorer populations in Europe in the hundred years after Columbus. And certainly the introduction, often by force, of European agricultural and economic methods in the New World not only brought diseases that wiped out entire populations in the New World, but uh, fundamentally changed how crops were grown, how economic systems worked, and the religious and spiritual identification of indigenous peoples throughout the Americas. All those things are undeniable facts. Undeniable. The question then becomes, how and why should we celebrate Columbus if that is the effect in the long run. And to me, what's interesting about this is really taking a look at Columbus Day itself, it didn't exactly start being about Columbus. Maybe 300 years ago at Tammany Hall, it was, oh yeah, but it was an Italian. They were celebrating the fact that he was Italian, that there was an Italian contribution to America's development. And Columbus was a very famous Italian. He's one of the most famous of all time. So in context of the time, it perhaps makes sense that he would be singled out as a person that Italian-Americans could say, look, we need to celebrate ourselves and we have value because, hey, Columbus made this whole thing possible. What is a stretch for me is for them, because of that, we somehow have to extend Columbus out beyond his own context and beyond his own significant flaws. The accomplishments, the bravery that was involved in what he was doing, the daring of it, the gamble, it's incredibly notable. The effect of what this unleashed is also undeniable. And it wasn't just Columbus who brought all these devastating negative changes to the new world. It wasn't just him, but it wouldn't have happened without him. So, on one hand, it raises the question, instead of Columbus Day, why aren't we celebrating Italians in America Day? I would be all about that. Can you imagine? I would be eating Italian food all day today. All day. Watching Italian soccer. <laughs> drinking Prosecco. I'll be doing a lot of that stuff. And it's not just obviously about that. But Italian culture goes way beyond Columbus. And in fact, I would argue there are a number of Italians worth lauding more than Columbus on an individual level. And let's just start with Renaissance art. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. So there's that. 
It also means that if that's the case, there should be room for Indigenous Peoples Day among those who are really holding on to this idea of Columbus Day. And frankly, that holding on to it says a lot more about its advocates' concerns about what's happening now and what it means for the country than it really is about Columbus. Let's be honest. It's pretty clear. So I asked the larger question. Why, why Columbus Day, not Italians in America Day? And second, why not Indigenous Peoples Day alongside it? Why is it so difficult for some groups of people to acknowledge the historical facts in both directions? I'm not sure Columbus needs his own day. The fact that he has it is true. I don't invest a lot of energy into Columbus. <laughs> I don't. And frankly, Indigenous Peoples Day to me is something that I am more interested in seeing it grow because it would be an acknowledgement by more and more people that this actually happened. And considering that there are groups of people who still are directly affected 500 years later by what started with Columbus, it makes sense to me that a larger acknowledgement of that would be to the betterment of those people and the country as a whole. The same reason why I think honoring Juneteenth as the end of slavery is a really good thing and can be a really good thing because it serves as a bit of a corrective. It doesn't have to erase what already exists, but it certainly at the very minimum can exist alongside, can't it? And if it can't, I would ask those why. And then I would ask, does it have more to do with us individually, that reluctance? I think if we're honest with ourselves, the answer is probably yes. There is something very powerful. If we take a look at it from our personal lives. Think back in our own personal lives. What are the things that happened in the past that we've done in the past that we look back on and go, oh, that was not good. I should not have done that. Or... That was really unfortunate. I supported that once in the past. I can't believe I supported it back then. I don't support it now. We allow ourselves that, or we should, at least. And we do that on an individual level. What do, the, what do we then do? Well, if we are going to move forward with some health, with some honor, with some integrity, we do things like acknowledge that changing of mind or that changing of purpose, or that new perspective. As appropriate, we make amends on a personal level as best we can. To steal from AA, we do that unless it's going to cause harm to somebody else. And then, hopefully, those people that have been hurt are heard, get to say their peace, and don't have to face the same things again going forward. Now, I know I'm making it sound really easy because personally is one thing. We're talking about millions of people. But where else does it start? If not right there. And you don't have to look very far. If you want to find out what the direct effects of 500 years ago have been and continue to be on indigenous peoples in this country and throughout North America. If you go online and look up a site called Native Lands, you can enter in your zip code and you can find out what indigenous nation 
once owned, once claimed the land that you're standing on. You can do it from anywhere. It'll give you the whole history of those peoples. And time and time again, I did some, spent some time looking at it today. Go to various places and you'll see time and time again, a number of individual indigenous nations, particularly in the U.S., but also in Canada uh, and in Mexico, who once individually had treaties with their home countries. And then all those nations were dissolved and turned into one. And countries like the U.S., Canada, Mexico essentially invalidated all those old agreements and subjected these new forced together nations into new agreements that were increasingly worse for them as time went by. You can find out all this information really easily. And you certainly can find out a lot about the schools that were built around this country in the late 19th century, operating into the 20th century, where indigenous children were taken from their families, brought to these schools, and the idea was to teach, as they said at the time, teach the native out of them. Teach them English. Introduce them to Christianity. Have them forcibly reject their roots, so on and so on and so on. You can find out the history of that just about anywhere if you want to look. And the idea that that somehow negates the significant positive developments of a nation's history is simply wrong. They exist Side by side, they always have the same way they exist in each of us individually. Really good things, not so good things. Really laudable traits, some pretty bad habits. The more stable people, it seems to me, the happier people are the ones who seem to be able to understand that dynamic, those paradoxes about themselves and accept them and accept them in other people. So again, maybe the challenge isn't the holiday it's ourselves. It's something worth thinking about. Great people do not have to be seen as great because they are, were morally upstanding in every part of their life. It could be because there is significance to some of their accomplishments, but it doesn't have to be all. And this gets, this gets tough. Right? When we, talk about, when we talk about people like Thomas Jefferson, who owned slaves and yet also was one of the fundamentally profound foundational thinkers in American history. There's that dynamic there. George Washington, same thing. In American history, Charles Lindbergh, incredibly important accomplishment flying across the Atlantic solo. He also was one of the biggest apologists for the Nazis prior to World War II. And nobody ever let him forget it. Even somebody who we kind of think is pretty neutral, Neil Armstrong, the first man to walk on the moon, was not a perfect man by any stretch. If you read the bio, and there's a movie version of it, same title, First Man, you can learn some things about Neil Armstrong. He wasn't perfect. He never claimed to be, to be fair to him. And he was deeply affected by the death of his two-year-old daughter to cancer before he ever flew the Apollo missions, and it affected him and affected his ability to connect with the people closest to him. To go back even further in history, Martin Luther, the great Reformation thinker and advocate who single-handedly began the process of torpedoing Catholic dominance in Europe, was anything 
but what we would call a good guy. He certainly had profound ideas about the relationship between individuals and the divine. He also was one of the most anti-Semitic people of his time, of which there were many. And when you read some of his treatises on this, including one called On the Jews and Their Crimes, you can see somebody who is anything but an upward standing individual, certainly by our standards. But even he, by his own standards back then, said he knew he was not perfect and was sinful and in need of grace. He also supported the crackdown and the resulting deaths of 100,000 Germanic peasants at the hands of princes in the Holy Roman Empire because there was deep concern about the political upheaval that he had unleashed. And he signed off on it. Which means, in not every way was he all about the people. So there's that. And we could pick any individual from this. And certainly, there are ones that are certainly beyond the pale. Right? Hitler, Stalin, Mao. Those ones. It doesn't go over well if you say, well, Hitler was this, but the trains ran on time. People rightfully condemn that very idea because what he stood for, what Stalin stood for, what Mao stood for, relied upon mass murder and persecution and pain for their ideas to be successful. So there is a line somewhere. And the big challenge with Columbus is, is he on that side? Is he on the Hitler, Stalin side of things? It's a very open question. But it's worth thinking about. When we come back from our second break, I'll put a little bit of that into context and talk a little bit more about where I think we can start thinking about this in some ways that maybe are more productive than the battles we're having currently. So come on back on this show is all about you. I'm Julia Cannell, Executive Director of Airway Science for Kids. We sponsor this show is all about you because it exemplifies our core values, connectivity, communication, emotional intelligence, positivity, respect, and the power of possibility. Help us introduce historically excluded youth to all of these through the wonder and promise of aviation and aerospace careers. Airway Science for Kids, providing aerospace to all. Visit airsci.org to learn more and to contribute your talents. Don't ask me to talk. Don't Ask Me to Talk is a program about sharing something good. Hosted by me, Stacey Heller, with my co-host and my mom's favorite, Eric Ryder, Don't Ask Me to Talk echoes what we're talking about when we aren't being so serious. We'll highlight what's good to watch, read, see, listen to, and more with a reoccurring spot with Vance Dingfelder of Dingfelder's Delicatessen called What Are We Eating? Tune in Thursdays from 3 to 4 on AM 880 KIXI. Welcome back, everyone, to this show is all about you talking about Columbus Day, Indigenous Peoples Day, and why we remember things as we do. And this challenge that we have, seemingly with holidays, to allow anything in from the outside that might dent the symbolic uh, joy of the day or the importance of the day, we tend to guard holidays uh, very zealously. And we want them to be seen a certain way, uh, commemorated a certain way, that type of thing. And what I'm suggesting is, obviously, that has a lot to do with us, and it doesn't 
uh, exist independently of us. And I think that's a starting point. And I asked the question before the break, uh, what is the challenge? And maybe it's an individual question. And that's the only way it can be answered. What is the challenge in seeing the importance of what someone has done and not having to turn them into an icon of virtue in order for that to be valid? In some ways, what I was suggesting before the break with Martin Luther, with Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Lindbergh, Neil Armstrong, is that we can take a look at their accomplishments and see them as even more significant because we see them as very flawed human beings. Doesn't that give it more power? To me, Columbus is more of a tragic figure personally. He died penniless. He wanted his, wanted more recognition than he got. And was very upset when he got back to Spain and found out that his Spanish sponsors were already sending more people to follow him. He wanted all these titles, Admiral of the Ocean Sea, and he wanted to be made governor of uh, Hispaniola, what they, what, where now Dominican Republic and Haiti are. He wanted to be made governor of all that. And he was kind of seen with disdain by a number of different people. And he spent the rest of his relatively short life trying to live up to his previous accomplishment and trying to exploit it for his own benefit. Yes, he was greedy. Yes, he was spiteful. Yes, he was arrogant. And it didn't exactly work out for him. And it certainly didn't work out for the people he directly affected. And in some cases directly in some cases directly had killed. So putting that side by side, important accomplishment, not so great of a do. Personally, celebrating Columbus Day for Columbus doesn't seem all that of a great idea. Italians in America Day? Absolutely. So I'll throw my hat in there. Indigenous Peoples Day? Certainly. Because that's a series of stories like Juneteenth that have not been told regularly over the same period of time in which Columbus rose to become an icon far and, above, far and beyond his own accomplishments and his own time and the own reality of who he was. History continues to be adding in more stories to complete a larger picture about the past. The idea being the more that is known about it, the more we can know and learn about ourselves in the present and maybe make some different choices about ourselves in the present, maybe question our priorities in the present, maybe seek for healing between peoples in the present. The same way that we can bring about healing for ourselves and in our relationships, we can do on a larger level on these questions if we are willing to be brave enough to take those steps. And that involves vulnerability, honesty, listening, and not always having to be right. And we can say that to everybody in every direction. I've said before on this show, this is the power of the word and. <laughs> the word and between things allows them to coexist. 
Columbus accomplished something very significant, one of the most important things in the history of humanity. And he was not exactly an upstanding man. Because of all these reasons and all the effects of this, of him and what he unleashed. If that makes having a holiday that much more difficult, then guess what? Perhaps we need to deal with that. Because that tends to be what we like oftentimes about holidays is that they're very simple. We can be happy about them. We can be excited about them. We can commemorate them, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes not. But they are easier in that sense. And we tend to infuse them with all the things that we find important. Fourth of July, we talk about freedom. Memorial Day, we talk about sacrifice. Labor Day, we talk about the importance of everyday laborers. Thanksgiving, about giving thanks. It's really about family. Christmas, a religious holiday. Hanukkah, the same. We infuse that with the meaning that we choose. And while they might have historical roots, they're oftentimes about our perceptions about those roots and what they mean in the present. And we like them, but we give them something fairly artificial. Families are just as important to connect with the day after Thanksgiving and the day before as they might be on the day of. In fact, why do we elevate that so high? What can happen at Thanksgiving dinner in a family can shape the following year of that family (laughs) for good or for ill. Why is that? Could it be because we're infusing that with value in the moment instead of recognizing that it should have value every single day? Freedom has value every single day. What is our challenge in remembering those things for their positives and their negatives every single day? Could it be that holidays give us a little bit of a shortcut so that we can give a crap about them on the day that they happen and the rest of the time we can just kind of go about our business? And then get really upset if someone does something, says something, comes up with a holiday on the same day that threatens us. Really? I'm supposed to be upset? I grew up with Christmas and somebody doesn't say Merry Christmas and says Happy Holidays to me? I'm supposed to think that that threatens Christmas? It doesn't unless I say it does. Unless I think it does. But just because I say it does or think it does, doesn't mean that it does. I keep coming back to the ancient Greeks. Epictetus said centuries ago, as we think, so we become. Our minds are forever searching for signs that are not there. We get to decide what these things are. And in the spirit of humanity and connectiveness, not just in the United States, that champions the ideals of equality and justice and freedom, but just in humanity as general. It seems to me the default position should be what are all the various dynamics of each other, our differences, how we view these commemorative days. And perhaps there are things to learn in all of this. And uncomfortable realities, significant accomplishments, 
not-so-great individuals all the time, in every way. And yes, for those people who clearly are beyond the pale, we should not celebrate them. And conversations about where Columbus fits in that, those are valid. But in order to get to that point, there's got to be a lot of dialogue, conversation, listening, considering. And putting facts side by side. And taking a step back to absorb them, incorporate them, consider them. And then if there continues to be disagreement on them, to not turn it into a life or death struggle between one another over it. Because in the end, we're the ones that are here right now. I assure you, Columbus is not paying attention to this debate. Indigenous peoples are, again, because there is direct connections that still affect them. And yes, it's fair to ask, at what point in the future Will indigenous peoples feel that they have been heard? Or black Americans feel that they have been heard around things like Juneteenth and other things? I don't know the answer to that. But why should their commemorations or their advocacy for those things stop? People have not stopped advocating for Christmas or Thanksgiving or Halloween. They don't need to stop. It doesn't need to be something where finally we can say, okay, now we all can just get along. Getting along has very little to do, in the end, with deciding to agree on history and a lot more to do with just deciding in the now that the things that differ between us don't have to divide us so significantly that we, have, we break into armed camps. To do that is our choice. And to do that around something like defending Columbus, who's problematic on a lot of levels, says a lot more about the person doing the defending than either about Columbus or certainly the viability of something like Indigenous Peoples Day. There's a lot more viability to that historically, it seems to me, than honoring a problematic guy. And here's the thing. I'm willing to listen to differing opinions on that. But really, it's got to be a conversation with somebody who's willing to be open to that conversation. Pretty interesting stuff when we bring it back to what does this have to do with me? Well, it has everything to do with this because acknowledging what happened to indigenous peoples says something about who we are and who we can be individually, as a nation, as humans. Yes, is it looking, is it taking our ideas now and projecting it back on the past saying that was terrible? Well, yes. But at the same time, we can look back and say, yes, we understand why that happened in the context of what people believed and how they acted at the time. And we would rather not do that again. That's discernment. And choice, 
more than it is judgment or over-condemnation. If that's the case, we're not willing to learn from anything from history because we can just then say, oh, well, it was back then, it was a different time, who cares? You can't judge it now. Okay, well, we can certainly learn from it, and we can certainly say that's not something we want to do again. And if that's not clear-cut for you, then I would say maybe that's a good thing. Because who said all these questions were supposed to be easy in order for them to have value? That these conversations were supposed to be easy instead of difficult? Why is difficult bad? Why is difficult harmful? These are all questions that we have to ask of ourselves rather than demand that the person on the other side of us answer us. Just something to think about. So that's what I've got for this episode of this show is all about you on this Indigenous Peoples Day, Columbus Day, World Mental Health Day, Canadian Thanksgiving Day, eh? Really thank you for taking some time to sit in this, perhaps a position of discomfort in talking about this and considering these ideas and taking a look at yourself in all of this. Because in the end, any changes that we want to see around us have to start with what we're willing to do ourselves and how vulnerable we're willing to be. And hopefully we can each take a step in that direction. So before I sign off, got to say thank you to lots of people. Be sure to check out my, my website, wordsbyjdk.com, and find me on social media. would love to hear your thoughts on this show and uh, get ideas for others. You can contact me there for questions, uh, any comments that you have. If you missed any of this or any other episodes, you can find this as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This show is all about you. It's produced and distributed by Hubbard Radio Seattle. Eric Ryder is my in-studio producer, editor, mix master. Thank you, Eric. Show is made possible by the generous sponsorship of Airway Science for Kids. Check them out at airside.org. And the original theme music for the show is by Dave Nelson of Lens Group Media. Special thanks for contributing to this episode and to all that went well for me this week. Has to go to Julia Cannell, Tawny and Dave Santabria, the Seattle Mariners, Bruce Bullard, Kelly Lynch, Susie and Dave Hardison, Phil McCoy, Mike and Julia McCoy, Cesar and Martine Garcia, Bruce Falmer, Greg Willis, Teresa Baker, Stacey Heller, Katie Beck, and Eric Crema. Thank you to the Mariners as well. Uh, sorry, Canada, we beat your team over the weekend, but happy Thanksgiving anyway. And of course, to you listeners, thank you. I couldn't do this for you without you. And finally, as a way to send you off into the rest of the week, let's end with this original haiku. Honoring our past begins with staying present with love for others. Chins up, everyone. Chins up, everyone.